Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. I'm glad you could be with me for this conversation today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. I know we are in the thick of the holiday season right now, and you might be experiencing all kinds of different or unexpected emotions. You may be actually sailing through and kind of just making it happen one day at a time. You might also be waiting for this season to be over, or maybe both, depending on the day. Either way, I know that this time of year can exacerbate our experiences with trauma, and it can be difficult to take care of ourselves. We may be feeling overwhelmed. And in today's conversation, I'm joined by author Junie Felix, and we're talking about how to engage in trauma recovery just one step at a time. Junie recently wrote a book called You Are Worth the Work, and she describes trauma recovery as something that we can break down into incremental steps and that by developing something she calls tiny habits, we can start to turn the tide and really experience God's transformative power in our pain. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you take a moment and leave a ranking or a review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast? It helps other women to find our community and just let them know that there's a place that they belong. Sometimes trauma recovery is something we do not really want to engage because it seems that it is so big and so painful and so overwhelming. And Junie's approach is just so encouraging. And she's got a really wonderful story of healing and transformation. Here is my conversation with Junie Felix. Junie, so pleased to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am so excited and honored to be with you, Michelle. Hey, Agape Moms. Hey. Hey, hey. (laughs) Junie, your new book is called You Are Worth the Work. I was so struck by this title because I know there are times that I have wondered in my recovery process, is this worth it? Is anything going to change? Yeah. And I wanted to know if you would start us off by talking a little bit about what inspired you to title the book, You're Worth the Work. Well, I have to give full credit to my team at Nav Press for where we landed. Um, For many authors, it's surprising to know that in the process, you're going to go through several titles, working titles. So this book originally started out as The Gift of Sorrow. And that title was something that was a gift to me because I was working through a particularly sad season in my journey where my trauma was just taking over my entire experience, even though I did everything to try and stop it. And there was a pastor here in Chicago that I was interviewing. I have uh, 18 years of live radio experience in Christian radio, and he was my guest on the show. And he um, so touched my heart that I wound up in a phone conversation with him. And in that conversation, he said, sorrow is a gift. And Mm. so 
he helped me process that whole thought. So the original title was The Gift of Sorrow. And it was just a little four chapter booklet that I, that was part of my healing journey that apparently caught on with a lot of other folks. And so here we Mm -hmm. are with you are worth the work because at the Mm -hmm. core of it with trauma recovery, at the core of it is that we don't believe that we're worth the work because in most situations, it was some abusive person that programmed that lie into our minds. So we Mm -hmm. don't feel we're worth the work and we don't feel we're worthy, but I'm here to tell you today and Michelle is here with me to tell you that you are worth the work, but sister, brother, it is work. (laughs) Mm, That is so, so true. And I think that's some of the trouble with it is that sometimes it can be disheartening because it feels like you make some progress and then you step back a little bit or you get triggered and you're like, why am I visiting this thing again? And it just seems at some points that it's not going to end. But if you press through and do continue on, I know, and I can say confidently, it does get better and it's absolutely worth it. But I think there's some things, and as you said, there's some lies that are at the core of this, Junie, though. There's some lies that have been programmed into us yes. that cause us to believe that it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. We're not worth it. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe God has healing for all these other people, but not for us. Oh my gosh, you're singing my song. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a sad, sad song. If, if they took what you just said and made it lyrics, it would probably be a country song. I don't listen to country music, but I know it's bad. So yeah, singing the blues. But yes, yeah. I mean, so many mm-hmm. of us that are mm-hmm. trauma survivors, and I'm a complex trauma survivor. We'll talk about those mm-hmm. terms a little bit. But yeah. um, for so many of us, it seems like, you know, there's something wrong with our faith or there's something wrong with us, which is why in the book, and I, you know, I I should have this ready, but here it is. This book is dedicated with love to all Mm. of my fellow mutants, misfits, and ragamuffins, because there are some days where all this sorrow and all this heartache makes you feel like a mutant, a misfit, a ragamuffin. You know, we're sitting at the edges of our pews at church and we're hearing all these things that sound so great. But then when we get back into our regular context, that trauma can take over sometimes and make us feel like Mm. maybe we're the problem, but that's just Mm -hmm. not true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you pointed out too, that this is not a lapse of faith, that if you are sitting in that church row and you are thinking, gosh, all of this must not be for me. It's such a lie. And Mm -hmm. it's something though, that we have to first call that out. Yeah. But then we have to, I think also reframe. And this is something I loved about the beginning of your book as you talk about this journey through recovery as a quest for joy. Yes. And I think reframing these things, calling out the lies, but then also reframing Mm. our understanding of what's true is so critical in making that journey forward. And in that first part of the book, you talk about though, this quest for joy starts with one question that we have to answer. So Would you explain that for us a little bit and the importance of it? Be glad to. Now, with an encouraging offering like Agape Moms, Michelle, you know, I don't doubt for a single second that you have many women who are listening and watching right now, and they are faithful. I mean, these are women across the spectrum of faith, and they love the Lord with heart, soul, mind, and strength. But just the fact that we are covering this crucial topic of trauma recovery It's the facts. It's the evidence. It's the data. Please hang on to that word. It means Mm -hmm. that you're never alone in this recovery journey and there's nothing wrong with your faith. And there are so many of us who love the Lord, heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we find ourselves over and over again, just tripping over our trauma on a daily basis, you know? Mm -hmm. And that reframing Mm -hmm. is such an important word, Michelle. I'm so glad you said that, you know, for that reframing is so important and the data gathering is so important. And so I'm not ruling out a miracle of emotional healing. Because that does happen. 
But for most of us, praying a prayer, walking an aisle, even making a heartfelt profession of faith, it's simply not enough. If <laughs> serving, giving, and going was the answer, then for the, the cure for deep core emotional trauma, mm. then I will be talking with you about a very different book. And I'm thinking mm. maybe the title of that book would, after you stop by the website, you'll see why I'm saying this. The title of that book would be How Loving Jesus and Serving in Full-Time Ministry All Over the World and Being mm. a Nearly Perfect Christian Cured My Emotional Trauma. But right. that's not <laughs> the truth. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the title of the book is You Are Worth the Work Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. So, if loving Jesus with heart, soul, mind, and strength was enough to give us victory over these horror stories that many of us have been through, let's keep it real. This is some rough stuff. Then we would, more of us would be walking around singing that victory song instead of the blues. Mm -hmm. But the serving and the giving and the going is not the answer. And one of the most common things, it's one of the reasons this book exists, is that as I was interviewing people all over the world, in the family of faith, and even out of the family of faith. I'm a technologist. And so part of my realm of experiences in the tech community with startups and things so, is that people trip over their trauma more often than anything else. And so mm -hmm. I decided, Father, what is a way that I can take my knowledge of how human behavior actually works, knowledge that I gained in the tech community, uh, teaching with the Stanford Behavior Design Lab, how can I take that knowledge of how human behavior actually works and help people to see a way out of their trauma the way that the Lord helped me. And mm -hmm. so there is one key fundamental question. I didn't forget your question. That fundamental question that we need to ask, first of all, accept the fact, the truth, the data, that there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with your faith. The data shows that you have faith. And as Jesus said, you just need a tiny amount, mustard seed amount. You have faith, okay? There is one point of data. The next point of data is that you need to accept, ugh, I know that word's hard sometimes. Accept and commit to your lifelong healing journey. Mm. That was something that God brought to my attention that I was angry about, but it was true. Accept that, no, this is not the story I would have chosen or written for myself, but it is my story. And so mm. I'm going to lovingly commit to my lifelong healing journey. So that's the mm. question. Are you willing to accept and commit to your lifelong healing journey. Because when you do that, you partner up and you align with God and you make a tiny but mighty step toward victory over your trauma. Junie, what was it like? What was it like to have to make that choice? It was a sacrifice. And thankfully, I am, well, I was literally born into a whirlwind of chaos and trauma and drama. I am the the official term for my this part of my journey is I'm a pre-verbal trauma survivor. Mm -hmm. I, and that is a term that describes those of us who were exposed to evil and trauma at an age where we literally had no words to describe it. And the reminders or the triggers, the reminders of that trauma are with me on almost a daily basis. I have second degree burns on my body that are right. I see them when I'm driving and I take notice of them more often than I, I care to, but I have evidence of that trauma that started when I was six months old that's always there. So I was born into a whirlwind of chaos and trauma and drama. My mother was sick for as long as I knew her, and she had a, a talent for attracting abusive men like my bio dad. So my world was never safe. It was always chaotic. It was always dramatic. It was always traumatic as a child. And some of my worst memories happened when I was about nine years old. But um, thankfully, during that season of my life, and we were homeless at the time, 
was a homeless child. I, but my mom managed to keep us in school. So that year, and then when I was nine years old was the year that I first sat in front of the Apple IIe computer. I don't know if you remember those, but I loaded up my wagon. (laughs) Yes, I loaded up my wagon to conquer the quest of the Oregon Trail. And that was the Mm. year that I fell in love with the way that things work. Mm. Coding and programming and systems design and data, you know, all of it. I fell in love with it when I was nine years old. I couldn't take computer programming until I was in the 10th grade because the earlier grades did not offer the elective. But that love for how things work and systems design and the power of tiny is what helped me to keep moving forward because I figured there has to be another way. Chaos, Mm. trauma, and drama, there has to be another way. And I didn't even know who God was at the time, but he planted that seed in me. And here we are. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. I just love how in the midst of this too, there was this sense in you that there's something else. There's something more. There's something different. And I think sometimes trauma can be so familiar that it's almost impossible to perceive that there could be something that we don't even know necessarily what the quote unquote normal is that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. We know we don't want to be in what we're in necessarily, but we're not sure where we're headed. So talk about this role of tiny though, and how this understanding of there's at least something out there resulted in this understanding of the tiny habits. Well, this is my opportunity to cheer for teachers, mentors, uh, loving, caring hospital professionals, trauma therapists. I started trauma therapy at age four, and I can only vividly remember my sessions beginning at age nine. But thank you to those of you who will see a child in need and reach out. And it doesn't matter how tiny that is. It, it really does make a big effect. Tiny is so important, and it's part of God's design for human behavior. And one of the things that I love the most about breakthrough in trauma recovery is the fact that the breakthrough really begins when we embrace the reality of tiny and we're willing to explore the fact that the situation that we're in is not our destiny. Your situation is not your destiny. That sorrow isn't your permanent address. There is something more and it's available to you like right now in this moment. And it's a very tiny thing. So my favorite way to illustrate uh, behavior design and systems design is to think about, I have my Bible right here, Romans 1. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read this, Michelle. And mm-hmm. it says here, beginning in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made. So the manifestation of God's invisible attributes is matter, reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the tininess of it. We've got Mm -hmm. atoms and a quark is even smaller than an atom. We have atoms, we have molecules, we have quarks, quarks. We have all these tiny little things that manifest into reality. That's Mm -hmm. our God. Wow. God is a systems guy. Now, think about your technology, the, one, the technology we're using right now, the technology in my hand that mm-hmm. many, many, many of us can't imagine life without. Behind the scenes are these invisible attributes. It's called code. It's tiny little simple elements, binary, on, off, zeros, one, tiny, mm-hmm. powering mm-hmm. these amazing things that seem like miracles. It's the exact same mindset of God, and that's why it works. That's so fascinating. Our lives are the manifestations of these micro decisions we make Mm -hmm. given the data we have. 
So when Mm -hmm. it comes to trauma recovery, I want you to think tiny with me. That's where the breakthrough happens. And I I chose this shirt for a reason, Michelle. Mm -hmm. I was standing in my closet today prayerfully. I said, Lord, what should I wear? I chose Mm -hmm. this shirt. It's one of my favorites. It says, be kind. Because kindness is a superpower. And for those of us who are trauma survivors, especially those of us who have come out of abuse, we have adopted a habit of being unkind to ourselves. Oof, you can say that again. <laughs> but sister, there's enough bullies in the world. There's enough mm-hmm. evil. There's enough abuse. There's enough hunger, want, and need, and enough bullies. And so I encourage you to be kind. Use the superpower of kindness towards yourself. That's a tiny but mighty decision that moves you a tiny step forward in your healing journey. I think what's incredible about this too is the fact that when you think about that micro scale, that all of our macro realities, everything in creation that we can see comes down to simple building blocks. That's why we don't have to know what the end goal is necessarily. It's why we don't have to have the end destination in mind. Mm -hmm. We just have to know what's the next thing we want to do or what's that next step to take. And sometimes, as you said earlier, it's deciding I have to accept this. Mm -hmm. I have to face the pain of the fact that this happened. And acceptance doesn't mean that it's okay. And I think that's the hard part. Is sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel that if I accept this, it means that it's okay, but it just means this is our starting block. It just means that this is the starting line. If I'm, if I'm at the race and this is where the gun goes off, this is just where I say this. Yes, is real, but this is actually the marker of the day that this is all now in my past. This is the day that I decide I want to go forward. It doesn't mean that this thing is not going to try and creep back up on me. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That past wants to keep taking you over, but that acceptance says, this is at least my starting mark. And now I'm going to make steps to get one step ahead, one step further. And if that even means that I fall backwards a little bit, I'm still making progress as I go. That's and good. I think that's the the aggregate thing that we might miss in those setbacks is this, you know, there's this sense of like, oh, now I'm backwards again. And it's like, no, 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 you're still forward a little bit. You're yeah. still making progress. And I think sometimes we wish it, we wish it would happen just a little bit quicker <laughs> and it wouldn't be so darn painful, but it starts with these small incremental things. So Junie, take us back though into this part of your journey sure, and where you had to start making some of these kinds of decisions to make these tiny changes. I realized early that I was a researcher. I wasn't getting the data that I needed to understand what it means to be a functioning human from the adults in my story, except for the teachers and the counselors and the, um, you know, when you, when you're a five-year-old in a chaotic, abusive environment, you go to school because you have to, because your Mm -hmm. abusers will get in trouble if they don't let you go to school, right? They'll be found Mm -hmm. out. So you go to school and you meet these other adults that are functioning. And so, you know, as a five-year-old and and each, you know, progressing, you're like, wait a minute, there's a different way to do this. I don't Mm -hmm. have to be dysfunctional. I don't have to be mean. I don't have to be tricky. You know, there's a different way to do this. So Mm -hmm. my love of research and then my my continual learning of systems design, uh, coding, programming, things like that. I thought, okay, I got to figure out how this thing works. You know, how, what, what I have a mind, I have emotions. How does this work? I wasn't raised in the church by any means, but when I was in the 11th grade, I was working, I worked half the day to support my uh, siblings, keep the lights on, buy groceries, you know, water running. I worked half the day to support my siblings. And then I worked the other half the day I went to school. And so I carpooled in the middle of the day to a data insurance company. I was working in tech, even in high school, but 
a woman in the carpool one day gave me a NIV study Bible for teens. And Mm -hmm. Michelle, she didn't pressure or preach. She just said, this might help you to understand your worth. And at the time, I felt like I must not have any worth. You know, when the people who are supposed to love and care for you don't, and it goes on and on and on, you believe the lie, the false Mm -hmm. data, the bad data that you're worthless. And so she gives me this Bible. I'm 17 and I start reading it and I can't put it down. And that's when I met someone who was familiar to me in the gospels. I was always in conversation with someone, but when I read the gospels, I recognized a familiar voice. And I'll never forget the day when I looked up from the pages and I said, oh my gosh, it's you. You know, I was talking to God the whole time. Mm. And so I started to learn incrementally. We have to discard this culturally conditioned mindset of go big or go home and Set this goal. I would love it if everyone I talked to would just throw that word out of your vocabulary, throw mm. goal out of your, your vocabulary and pretend that willpower doesn't exist because that's not how human behavior was designed to succeed mm. and embrace the tiny, embrace the incremental because that's what it is and always has been about. And I say culturally conditioned because if you think about when Jesus came, agriculture, agrarian society, you know, there mm-hmm. is nothing you can do. Once you plant that seed, right, <laughs> there is nothing you can say or do. You can start a YouTube channel. You can get a billion followers on Instagram. There's nothing you can do to make that seed grow out of its time. That mm-hmm. is how it's designed to work. Everything mm-hmm. is tiny. Everything is incremental. And it is a journey. And rejection mm-hmm. of the journey, even the, the yucky stuff, the rejection of that, that's what causes severe setbacks. But even when you make a tiny step forward, celebrate that because that's what keeps the growth happening. As we say in behavior design, if you plant a seed in the right soil, then give it the time that it needs, the care that it needs, it will produce a crop Mm. and a harvest. It's the same with our emotional feeling. That's something I think too, that what trauma sometimes will cause us to do is be misattuned to our own needs. And so in Mm. some senses, it's like, well, if I tune into my own needs, that's a selfish thing. And Mm. I've learned to get by in life actually by taking care of other people's needs. And it's a, it's a re framing and it's it's a total shift really of understanding as you said it's not going to be the do send you know like all of these action doing type of things faith actions you know that's going to bolster your faith enough to fix this whole thing. There's actually a receiving that has to happen in here that may, that eventually, yes, there, there can be a calling and ascending and all these wonderful things. But when you're in that broken place, it's a time to learn how to heal up those cracks and those fissures where the love would just like come right out. Like God's love is pouring into you always, but it's coming out because you're not able to sit and just receive it. Yes. And when you're able to sit with your pain though, and I think this is the hardest part, you have to actually sit with your pain in order to experience though, the compassion of the healer. Yes. And so the trauma is the route to experiencing that fullness and starting to receive and starting to be healed up. But it comes through the route of experiencing pain. And that sometimes can be excruciating. It can be terribly overwhelming. And that's where tiny though. So, and this is where I want to go back to, especially because you mentioned celebration. You mentioned in the Mm -hmm. book, a series of simple behaviors that if we want to change a habit, 
and we want to do some work, that celebration is actually a part of that process. So I wanted to know also if you'd break that down for us and include in there what that importance of celebration is all about. First of all, it's the formula for human behavior designed or discovered by my mentor, Dr. B.J. Fogg. He's a behavior scientist at Stanford University. And the formula for human behavior is your behavior equals motivation, ability, and a prompt. So that's the formula for human behavior. Emotions create our habits, period. This is not speculation. Behind every habit is an emotion, a core Mm -hmm. feeling. And for Mm -hmm. those of us who are trauma survivors, we are experts in understanding that emotions matter. There's some Mm -hmm. pretty popular resources out there that will tell you that your feeling of of pain and fear, um, the overwhelming feeling, is something that you just need to squash by counting your blessings. You just yeah. squash it and you mm-hmm. go on what's this tyranny of optimism and squash it. But as mm-hmm. we know, as trauma survivors, you squash it, it's coming back and it's coming yes. back bigger. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because the emotion that you're feeling is a prompt. Remember the formula mm-hmm. behaviors always have a prompt. The feeling of trauma, sadness, regret remorse, pain is the prompt. And so what Tiny Habits enables you to do is you take that prompt, you, you're, you're thankful for it. God, thank you for reminding me about this place in my soul that's crying out for loving attention and healing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you for my emotions, Lord. Then you are motivated to stop the pain. And so you will take action. For mm-hmm. me, when it was at its worst, I had this terrible sugar addiction. and the motivation was the, the stopping the pain. The prompt was the pain. The action was Baskin Robbins bubblegum ice cream, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The behavior was the manifestation of those three elements with that trauma-induced addiction. Every habit has three components and creating new habits is as easy as ABC. You have an anchor moment. Now, for those of us who are trauma survivors, our anchor moment is the feeling of that sadness, that pain, the trigger. All right. Mm-hmm. We have an anchor moment. And then it's followed by a tiny behavior that we choose based on our ability. But when you are rewiring your mind or recoding your mind, renewing your mind, as the scripture says also in the book Mm -hmm. of Romans, you need Mm -hmm. a tiny celebration because your tiny celebration is what wires the habit you want into your mind. And we Mm -hmm. already do this with the habit that we don't want. We're prompted by the pain. We respond motivated to stop the pain and we choose a, a behavior. And it's a tiny micro betrayal, this behavior Mm -hmm. that we choose before we understand this process. But with Mm -hmm. tiny habits for recovery, you're choosing a tiny but helpful and healing behavior. Mm. So the one that I share in the book that I start with is the Maui habit. So Mm. the Maui habit is simple and you have to start out with an anchor that's simple. So the Mm. anchor for the Maui habit is just waking up in the morning. Now, as followers Mm. of Jesus, it's a win-win, right? If you don't wake up, you're either looking at the face of Jesus <laughs> or, right? or you wake up, you know, it's a win. Right. So right. you wake up and you rem- you remind, I'm a person of faith. So the minute you realize you're awake, that's your anchor, your tiny behavior is just say these words, either in your mind or out loud, out loud is best, but it's going to be a great day. And if you're going through something really hard, as we often do, just add the word somehow. This is also my mentor taught me this. It's going to be a great day somehow. And then Follow that immediately with a tiny celebration. Now, your tiny celebration is customized just for you. 
And the tiny celebration creates a dopamine hit in your brain that mm. bathes your brain in those good feelings that we love so much. It really does work. The science is proven. The dopamine hit is your celebration. So for mine, I wake up and I say, it's going to be a great day. And then I smile and I say, thank you, Jesus. Or I'll just hold myself tight. It has to be something, a behavior that I'm choosing that makes me feel good and produces Mm -hmm. what we call in behavior design, the feeling of shine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus said, let your life so light you so shine. So you're celebrating the fact that you're making a tiny healing choice in response to the pain, because for many years I would wake up first thing with a broken heart. And so this tiny habit enabled me to refocus my day, plant a tiny seed of hope, a powerful seed of hope at the start of the day. That helped me to stay in alignment with God's will, which is healing and wellness and wholeness. So your mm-hmm. tiny habit, it's tiny, but it's as simple as ABC and it works. Mm-hmm. I think these little celebration moments too are so critical because it is so difficult sometimes to find something to celebrate. And as you said, we are like, for example, in the case of like running to sweets or something like that, we are giving ourselves that hit. We are celebrating, but it's reinforcing a behavior that we don't want to reinforce, or it's keeping us stuck with bad habits that we would rather maybe grow from. Yeah. And so it's just trying to find those. And I love that you mentioned that this is a sensory experience. So too, that mm-hmm. it can be something like pressure, like, as you said, yeah. wrapping your arms around mm-hmm. yourself. And that was actually a huge thing for me was when I would feel anxious, mm-hmm. I'd go lay down in my room and put on a weighted and fuzzy blanket. Yes. And just that sensory experience was enough to create this sense of calm. And then I was like, okay, trigger passed. I'm ready to keep moving. And laying under a blanket is a very easy, if you're at home, at least, you know, something that's small, easy way to engage your sensory system so that these little celebrations, they don't have to be, as you said, these like positive think things like, oh, it's, you know, like, I'm just going to be so happy. And you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) You're not fooling yourself. (laughs) No, 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 no. But it is. And I think this is a key part of, of learning how to renew our minds. We have to know how God created our brains to work. work. And we have to understand that there is a behavioral learning process in this. There's a sensory experience process in this. Mm-hmm. In addition to learning what we should be telling ourselves apart from the lies that we have to use scripture to tell us what to think. Mm-hmm. And when we engage all of these various things, though, we can start to have this lightning experience. And I yes. think that's the thing is you're not convincing yourself of anything with this. It is just lightening that load a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that light, that load, you start to feel like, oh, today actually was a little better than yesterday. And then you wake up the next day and yes, there's some work to do there, but oh, wow, today actually was a little better than yesterday. Yeah. And that is how these tiny day-by-day steps happen moment by moment. And I also love the fact that the anchor point though doesn't always have to be a trigger. It doesn't always have to be something negative. Oh, I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom.
So describe for us some more of those other anchor points. So you mentioned like just getting up in the morning, but what are those things that we do every day that can be ways that we can say, all right, I'm going to put a little celebration in my day. <laughs> yes. The thing about creating your own habits is that you get to be as creative and fun as you want to be. Uh, one of my favorites is the first, uh, every sip of coffee, not just the first, mm-hmm. but every sip of coffee. I'm not trying to advertise for start uh, cover. I do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I take a sip of coffee. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Just smile and be thankful for that one sip of coffee. Remember the breakthrough mm-hmm. comes from thinking tiny, tiny. So that can be an anchor followed by my tiny behavior, which is, mm, thank you, Jesus. I love coffee. Mm-hmm. And then I celebrate. Mm-hmm. I do lots of happy dances. Happy dances <laughs> make me feel good. And another way to think about this is the fact that, okay, so many of us are on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite social media, but um, we're all familiar with the prompts. Remember the formula for human behavior, motivation, ability, prompt. Those mm-hmm. prompts work, right? So mm-hmm. when you make a post and someone clicks like or gives you a heart or gives you a comment, you get a tiny burst of dopamine that keeps you coming yeah. back, right? Mm-hmm. So what you're doing with tiny habits is you're creating your own burst. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God, for this coffee. It could mm-hmm. be just starting your car. I would put the key in the, in the ignition. Well, no, press the button now because I got a different car now, but you yeah. press the button, right? I'm all fancy. Yeah. Press the button. <laughs> and I would just say, thank you, God. You know, and I would just smile that you're with me. No matter what happens, it's going to be okay because I'm never alone. And so even when I'm walking through those seasons where it feels like the valley of the shadow of death, you know, Psalm 23, thank you, God, I'm never alone. I may be going Mm. through, but I'm going through. And so Mm. the little celebrations, they wire that good habit into your mind. With my sugar addiction, I was prompted by not only my my childhood trauma, but my mom died. She finally died. And I know that sounds harsh. But when someone is sick their whole life, when they die, they finally die. But Mm -hmm. I picked up the sugar addiction in response to that. So when I started reverse engineering my sorrow, when I was prompted by the pain and the grief of the nurturing that I now know I will never receive from a parent, Mm -hmm. um, I would journal something tiny but specific but good about my mom. So that was my tiny response. And then Mm -hmm. I would enjoy a sugar-free snack. And then I would celebrate. I would say, oh, yeah, I'm beating this thing. I'm sugar free. And Mm. so that feeling of good from those healthy behaviors instead of the micro betrayals is what allowed me to reverse engineer that addiction out of my life. So the Mm. celebration, you can't leave it out. And you have to find the celebrations that work best for you. It might just be turning your palms up to the heavens, which has been proven multisensory, like Michelle said, been proven to calm. My son and I, we do this every morning. We call it release and receive. Mm. I release my fears and anxieties, Father, and I receive your peace and your love and your care. Do something that feels good, that's a tiny celebration that gives you that affirmation, and it will reprogram and create some new habits, some new lines of code in your mind, because trauma is bad code. Yeah. I love that you point that out in the book too, because I think it's such a, there's so many different ways to conceptualize this, but when we realize that it's something that actually we can reprogram and that there are these very simple little steps that can adjust the way that we experience life. My celebrations were a lot of feeling proud of myself for responding that I realized in my life how often I would just plow through and I would exhaust myself and I was people pleasing and doing all these things, just try to get by, but it was the only way that I knew life. And so as I started to think, wow, I'm actually really burnt out. Like when I could start, when I would just pause long enough to go, this is what the beginning of burnout feels like. 
then if I took a break, the celebration was like those inhales and I'm doing a good thing for myself. I am, this is how God wants to care for me through my care for myself. And that this is where that receiving came from. This was actually a word that like the Lord whispered to me just to receive and to recognize though, that I had to pause. I had to start to pay attention to what was incorrectly wired, what was incorrectly coded into my brain from childhood. That's right. And recognize that there were things that I needed to start learning how to attune to myself and to reparent. That was something you kind of just touched on there. If I wasn't going to get what I needed, Mm -hmm. if I can't step back into my childhood and get what I needed, or I can't silence those bullies, I can't prevent that from ever happening. The fact of the matter is I'm here now though. And this is how I'm going to take care of myself now and receive God's love now. And it's just, and so I love though the idea of it being bad code because it just gets the sense of me of like, well, I'm just going to cut that right out. Like, <laughs> and that was and your immediate response. Your immediate response yeah. is, I'm going to edit that out, but I want you to keep it. So, one of my favorite examples to share when it comes to trauma recovery and bad code is from Wreck It Ralph. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yes, yeah, many times. <laughs> oh, see, I know, right? Okay. So, yep. she's got this bad code. It was put there by an abuser, right? Mm. It was strategically and intentionally put there by an abuser. So she glitches out. So our trauma causes us to glitch out. And until she had an ally come into her life, she Mm. didn't know how to use the glitch to her advantage. Mm. And once she figured out how to use the glitch to her advantage, she kept it. She didn't try to like get rid of it anymore. She accepted Mm. it as a part of her story and she used it as her superpower. That's Mm -hmm. what we have the capacity to do. We Mm. think if there's a glitch, we can, we always have a choice. See, that's the thing. Another way to live. We know the statistics. If you were abused in this way as a child, you're probably going to wind up this way as an adult. If you went through this as a child, you're going to wind up this way as an adult. We know the statistics. We know it's Mm -hmm. sad. Or if you were in an abusive relationship as an adult, you probably don't realize that you chose that relationship because it felt like home. Familiar. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. It felt like home. You chose that because it was what you were taught. Love is supposed to hurt and be chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. We can take that as a glitch and try to force it out of our lives, or we can accept it, accept that we're on a healing journey with so many others. You're never alone. Look, I'm here. Michelle's here. Um, If we accept it and we learn how to take that prompt of our pain as a loving message from God, hey, there's this place inside of you. It's deep inside in need of attention and healing. Don't stuff it. Don't ignore it. Attend Mm -hmm. to it lovingly and in a tiny healing way. And incrementally, you'll see victory after victory after victory. The Bible is where I learned that there's, there's, I am loved, I am valued, and I am beloved and valued every second of every day. What can I do to align what I'm saying to myself and the behaviors that I'm choosing with what Almighty God, maker of the multiverse, feels about me? Mm-hmm. What can I do to align with that instead of the statistics? What can I do to take this glitch that I might always have, barring a miracle, mm-hmm. And use it to prompt me towards something healthy and healing because the other direction is easier. Yep. Mm. This is work. No, but not where we want to go. Yeah. <laughs> this is work. Yes. Yes. But as you've, I mean, just so powerfully described, it is so worth it. 
And I want to know a little bit more, you know, as we're stepping through your own kind of just like simultaneous tracks here between some of the stuff that was revealed in behavior design and then your own journey. Mm -hmm. So as you put these things into practice, I'm always fascinated though, the legacy of what this does in our children's lives. Oh, yes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I'll be glad to. Well, I've been taking care of kids for a long time. You know, I was changing diapers when I was five years old. So (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) when it comes mm -hmm. to kids and parenting, I think that the thing that would be most helpful to our community here in Agape Moms is that I married as a teenager. So I married as a child. Um, Both my husband and I were trying to escape the trauma Mm -hmm. and we ran into each other. Um, My husband was sick when we married, but he didn't tell me he was sick. So he felt that I wouldn't want to be his bride or his wife if he told me he was sick. So I found out after we were married that he was sick and it's a serious condition. And I quickly became a caretaker and a support person. I've had more experience as a caretaker and a support person than I have as what the textbooks would describe as a wife. Mm -hmm. So I went from being a caretaker and a support person as a child into being a caretaker and support person as an adult. And this particular condition is not, it's, it's rare and it's, it's something you don't hear about in Christian conversations, but it would take him out. And so I have the two sons, but I can vividly remember when it was just me and my first son and my husband's condition had taken him out of the equation for a long span of time. I was a single mom for a long span of time at a very young age. And I can remember just calling on the Lord And I was praying. I had a prayer closet, which is part of my trauma recovery toolkit, which I will touch on before we end our time together. But I had a prayer closet and I was in the prayer closet and I was just crying my eyes out. My Bible just soaked with tears. And I said, Lord, how can I teach my son to be a man of God? Mm -hmm. I'm not a man. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And he gave me Isaiah 54. He said, you will forget the shame of your youth and great will be the peace of your children. And I thought, well, I only have one child, but I will change that. Later, I had my second son, but um, I I took that to heart. I I believed it. I chose to believe it was true, that I would forget Mm -hmm. the shame of my youth and I would, great would be the peace of my children. And when I asked God, how do I teach my son to be a man of God? He said, don't worry about that. Just love him the way I love you. Overflow that real love to him so he knows what real love is and I'll take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, Michelle, God never lies. He cannot lie. I have two sons. As I said, they both love the Lord. They're not just Christians, they're disciples. And I didn't have to be weird about it. All I had to do was love Jesus, live out that love in full display every day to the best of my ability. And they pick up on that. Mm -hmm. Our kids learn that God is trustworthy when they see us trusting him. So even when I was a single mom and single provider and still helping to do the best I could to be there for my husband with his illness, he's doing a lot better now, but we still have those severe ups and downs. I just had to choose every time to trust that God's word is true and his grace is sufficient and that I could keep moving forward. And that's what I did. So the outward manifestations of that, you're going to see on the website and read in the book, Mm -hmm. but the prayer closet times, those are the things that God and I know about. And now some of so many others now, Mm -hmm. but even at its worst, when I couldn't breathe for the heartache, God is faithful. And believing that can help you take your next tiny step toward joy. So incredible. I have a 12, a 10, and a three, a girl, boy, girl. 
And those, when I'm in the thick of it, you know, it's just that sense of like, Lord, this is all I got today. These, this, these tear soaked Bible pages, you know, these, these feeble prayers that I'm scribbling out as fast as I can in my journal, Yeah, you know, it's this sense of like, this is what I have. This is the tiny step today. Really? This is, this is it. This is the offering. And And I think, and I think that's, that is just the thing that I even hear in your story, even from childhood, how the Lord pursued you, that though you had no other means really to know who he was, you were having conversations with him Yes, and that he pursues us the same. And that all of these, what we think are like, this is the, the least I can give, or this isn't, I don't have very much to give that, you know, I'm, I, how can I teach my kids how to be strong when I'm, you know, crying in bed again, you know, it's these things though, to say, but I still, but yours are greater still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to believe this. And, and that is though, I think, as you said, it's the commitment to the journey. It's the commitment to saying, mm-hmm. even if today I don't feel it, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going. Amen. And we and you're going to have to carry me. Yeah, we're hard <laughs> on ourselves. We say, I have yeah. to believe this, but no, you don't have mm-hmm. to, but you can choose to. Mm-hmm. That's the deciding factor. So God is such a loving parent. There's no forcing. There's just a choosing. And celebration Mm -hmm. is so important. When you think about babies in your life, they move forward through celebration. We celebrate them for things they have nothing to do with, like growing a tooth, right? The baby grew a tooth, phones out, Instagram post, celebration. And that teaches that baby, that child, hey, this world is safe and the people around me love me and I'm going to grow and move forward. That's how we teach our babies and children because it's the Mm -hmm. same no matter our age. God mm. celebrates the fact that sure your Bible's tear stained, covered in tears, and it's all you can give. God's celebrating. He's like, good job. Well done. I'm with you. I love you. I'm going to hold you and carry mm-hmm. you through this. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. other things that um, Pastor Bob Moeller is his name. When I talked about sorrow as a gift, mm-hmm. he also listened to me. We were off air and um, he said, Junie, I'm sure you've confessed every sin you can think of, haven't you? I was like, are you kidding me? I've confessed my sins. I've confessed my ancestors' sins. I've confessed mm. every sin I can possibly imagine. He said, I want you to understand that it's not a sin to have a broken heart. Slow down mm. and let God heal your heart. And that's what this is about. It's the tiny habit of recognizing the prompt of that pain is not your enemy. It's a gift from God telling you to slow down and mm. attend to your soul care. I mean, mm. What happened to you matters because you matter. Every part of your story matters to God. So we just have to slow down and breathe. Remember, it's never a sin to have a broken heart and let God hold us and heal us and fill our lives with his love while we heal. So good, Junie. I appreciate this so much. I want to ask you though, for a woman who's listening, who's like, okay, where do I start? How do I do this? Like, what can I do? You did mention the recovery toolkit. Yeah. And I think that that is actually a really wonderful way to get started on this. So would you share a little more about that? Sure thing. The trauma, the tiny trauma recovery toolkit is one of my favorite things because this is a physical, it can be physical and digital. I have physical and digital. It's also spiritual because once you get good at this, then you've got a spiritual trauma recovery toolkit in your mind and in your spirit. But it's a physical thing, a physical place where you can put things that bring you joy. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. a decorated shoebox. Maybe it's a beautiful basket. 
Um, fill it with things that bring you that feeling of shine, that spark of hope and joy. Maybe it's pictures of your kids, some artwork that they've made. I have a picture my son made when he was seven on my wall. It says, reading can take you anywhere. And he drew a little picture of himself in a rocket ship with a book. That's in my toolkit. So you fill your toolkit with something small but tiny that reminds you of who you are and that you're so loved and that there is good in the world. Another thing in my physical toolkit is my essential oils mm. because I love lavender and vanilla. And I'm also like a little bit of um, patchouli. And so mm, I buy yeah. the blends that mean the most to me. And I use them for my deep calming breathing, which is great for PTSD recovery, which is something that I do, right? Fill it with things that bring you joy, your favorite scents, your favorite songs. I've got a playlist in my digital toolkit. It's a playlist mm -hmm. that I listen to. And every time I listen to it, you know, it brings me a little bit of pep in my step or reminds me to calm down. So there's mm -hmm. a physical toolkit or a digital toolkit. I would highly recommend putting the Agape Moms podcast in your digital toolkit because, girl, I did that uh, guided meditation with scripture. Uh, yeah. Well yeah. done. Four oh, tiny minutes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Four mm -hmm. tiny minutes that made all the difference in that particular wow. morning. Mm -hmm. And so have a digital toolkit, have a physical toolkit, and always have a sacred space. This is a place, I call it the prayer closet. Sometimes it's a physical closet. When we first moved to Chicagoland, when I was hosting the morning show, I had a, a pop-up tent in my backyard of my apartment. And I would go there after work and I would sit in there in my sacred space and just pray. Mm -hmm. So a sacred space is essential. And sacred tools in your toolkit to remind you that life is good and trauma is not the end of your story. It also reminds mm -hmm. you who you are, you know, put mm -hmm. stuff in there that reminds you who you are apart from your trauma. So that's the tiny toolkit. And I mm -hmm. cover some more ideas in the book, of course. I love it too, because as I was saying again, with the sensory thing, you know, sometimes, and as you said, it, but there's, when there's pre-verbal trauma, yeah. sometimes there are smells or sounds or these sensory experiences that trigger those hurt feelings. Yeah. And so it's nice to have these new triggers that are actually associated with yeah. healing mm -hmm. and with calm and with peace. And so, as you said, with the essential oils, mm -hmm. I have a candle in mine, yeah. you know, that mm -hmm. is a specific scent or, you know, a, a lotion that has a particular scent or, you know, mm -hmm. a certain texture, just anything that we can do to I think, you know, I hate to use the word pamper because I think it makes it sound like, oh, just go get a manicure and your trauma will be healed. Like, <laughs> but no. more or less, but no, th but these are these, these are, this is engaging our full sensory experience. Yeah. Our, if our emotions are already involved that there's some emotion, there's some emotion that comes with also these care items though, and in taking good care of ourselves. And Absolutely. so where we may be um, engaged triggers that in you choose. Yes. Yes. And so where we may be engaged with some of these difficult emotions, we can meet them with some of the, mo the more pleasant ones. And so yes. we can ex learn to experience actually what it is to have the bitter and the sweet in our lives side by side. Mm -hmm. And then it makes the bitter just not seem to have that much of a grasp anymore. It's so true. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're the prompts that you choose. They're the triggers that you choose. You fill mm -hmm. your day with these reminders of how beloved you are, how special you are. And it really does sow seeds of joy into your journey. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I call it the quest for joy because in John 15, Jesus says, I have taught you all these things. Everything I've taught you is so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete. And so we need to remember that he's not just dangling a carrot in front of us and saying, hey, chase the joy. It's here. But we have to yeah. learn how to love ourselves well, care for our souls, and create our own prompts 
that mm-hmm. so that continual joy into our lives that we can overflow. And then we're not condemning ourselves when we fall short. I mean, I had an interview a few weeks ago where I was very triggered after this interview because mm-hmm. the interviewer asked a very personal question that I wasn't ready for. I, mm-hmm. They say I handled it well, but I came home after work that day and I just fell on the floor, had a full on crying spell. But I know to be compassionate with my journey. And so I treat my crying spells just like I also have asthma. So when I have an asthma attack, I don't put myself down for needing my inhaler. If I have a crying spell, I'm not going to put myself down for this injured place within me that needs some loving care. Mm -hmm. It's a whole reframing of our attitude about ourselves and our journey. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work, but it's, you know, we're worth the work. That's right. Oh, so good. Journey, I have so appreciated just getting to hear more about your story and your encouragement for us as we step through these things. At the end of every conversation, I ask the guests the same question. And it is, if there was just one more thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? It's that, please accept your healing journey and your story matters because you matter. And the way out of your sorrow is through it. And I know it's hard. It feels like the shadow of death that you're walking through. But remember, God is walking through it with you. And don't silence yourself. If there was an abuser handbook, there would be a chapter called Don't Tell Anyone. I want you to not, don't silence yourself. Break the silence. And don't try to do this alone. Find your trauma therapist and support group and and armor up and train hard. Learn your gifts and trust your allies and do the work because you're worth Mm -hmm. the work. And don't be ashamed of your journey. I started trauma therapy when I was four years old. I am happy to say that I still have a PTSD trained trauma therapist in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. don't stay Mm -hmm. silent and don't try to do this alone because you're not alone. You never meant to journey alone. Mm -hmm. Such good reminders. Thank you so much. Junie, would you tell listeners about your book and how they can follow along with you? Sure. I'd be glad to. The book is it's You Are Worth the Work, Moving Forward from Trauma to Faith. And as a technologist and behavior designer, I share a lot of the inside story on the technology that we use and how that same design for human behavior can be used to reverse engineer your way through that sorrow. So it's on my website, juniefelix.com. And there's lots of other resources there too. Just like Michelle has resources for recovery, I have resources for recovery there for you as well. And just thank you so much for sharing the journey and inviting me to be a tiny little part of your story. Yes. Yes. And I will have links in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find all of the resources and to connect with you. But I just enjoyed so much talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, I've got a couple others that I can recommend for you. Check out episode 95, Raising Kids Who Bounce Back with Dr. Rhonda Spencer Huang. And also have a listen to episode 90, Try Harder, Try Softer, Harnessing the Gifts of Compassion and Curiosity in Trauma Recovery with Andy Colver. As we wrap up the conversation, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of resources available for you in the show notes. The first is our guided scripture meditation that goes along with each and every episode that you can find at the Agape Moms YouTube channel. Also, there's a link there to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms and to join the private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Lastly, if you'd like to spend some time reflecting in prayer on what you've learned in this episode, check out the link for our free podcast pages, journaling pages. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'm praying for you and that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.